This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to Turn on the Jets Digital. This is XNO Quick Hits. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Joined as always by the co-host of TOJ Film Room, Mr. Joe Blewett. And today we are going to break down the Adam Gase offense. Why? If you know, it's because Adam Gase is now the head coach of the New York Jets. He's bringing his offense with him. And we wanted to get a look at what makes Adam Gase tick as an offensive mind and what we can expect from him now as the head coach and offensive architect of the New York Jets. Joe, what's going on, man? Um, you know, we were just talking for a little bit before this. Uh, a lot of film, Adam Gase film, uh, done with that by putting it up on Twitter. Uh, did the top five, you know, outside linebackers in the draft, their film and recorded it. Um, so waiting to put it up on Twitter when, you know, the time is appropriate. Uh, looking at defensive tackles right now into the draft. So a lot of film and it's fun because I'm not watching the Jets get just beaten down, um, every single week anymore. And I'm actually watching things that I want to watch. So, uh, it's been fun, and I'm in a good place right now watching this stuff. If the Jets aren't going to get beaten down again this coming year the way that they did this past year and the year before that and the year before that, a big part of the reason that that would happen in addition to an influx of talent would be the offensive system of Adam Gase. If it's good, they may be a lot more interesting to watch. If it's bad, not so much. So let's start from the beginning and the most important piece of that offense, which is the quarterback. Talk to me about what you saw as far as Gase's use of the quarterbacks when he was running the offense in Miami. Yeah, it's it's like it's almost like people have asked me, like, oh, what system did he run? Like, was it West Coast? Was it Eric Corral? Was it spread? Like, what was it? And it's kind of hard to really pin him down to anything because he did everything. Like, he used every different formation, pistol, empty. Um, we'll put the virus in backfield, lot, lots of shotgun, uh, likes three-by-one sets, but, you know, uses two-by-two, two, uses, um, you know, pistol, uses eye formation, uses wing sets. Like, he uses, you know, everything. Um, so it's kind of hard to really pin him down. Um, but for the most part, with, with Tannehill, and Tannehill, if you've been watching the, the film I've been putting up on Twitter, if you're going to watch the show I'll do, uh, in the next couple of days where I'll be talking about his, his you know, plays on YouTube and showing it while I'm talking about it, um, he, I think he definitely ran a lot more screens than he's going to run with Donald, wild bubble screens, smoke screens, tunnel screens, slip screens, whatever it may be. Um, because of Tannehill's talent, and it's easier to just dump the ball off to a guy like Kenyon Drake, who, who can run for some yard after the catch, or a guy like Wilson, uh, who is also really, you know, a really good receiver for them, who got a, got a lot of yak yardage. Um, so the, you know, a lot of a lot of jet jet sweeps, pop passes, which is like it's a jet it's a jet sweep, which basically just a pass, so it technically counts as pass completion and yards after catch and all that stuff. Um, they do a lot of that stuff, you know, fake pitches to sweeps to another pitch to a, a, a throw like in the, uh, in the Raiders game. So he did everything. And I'm, I didn't get into concepts with like in and outs and high lows and flat nines and slant nines and calves and spins and floods and sails and like go for a while, hawk cab, pole tear. There's a lot of stuff that I'm, I can't explain on, on this show, um, but he did everything. Um, now, with Tannehill versus Donald, like I said, I want to see a little bit less of the screens because screens are great um, to a certain extent. You know, if you're going to run maybe five screens a game or maybe even ten screens a game, that's, that's okay. But once you start pushing past that, it's a little bit too much defense. You start expecting it, um, and then they're going to react, you know, accordingly. 
but when you're able to run those a couple you know, a couple screens a game, we're going to show them, okay, well, this three-by-one set that they ran on, you know, on this play, they ran a screen off this. And then from that screen, you, you, know, you, you show screen, but then you have one guy slipping out on a, on a vertical route and he hits them for a 40-yard post. Like that's things that he's gonna need to do um, with the Jets a little bit more because, like I said, there's a, just a little bit too much screen to the Dolphins. I think a lot of them are actually uh, less successful than they would be with the Jets because something I noticed about the Miami Dolphins um, wide receivers, and this is getting like super not even super nerdy. It's not hard to understand, but it's something you'd have to really watch the film to understand. Their blockers, their wide receiver blocking was terrible. Um, there's many times where two two receivers were running to one guy. Like let's say if it was if it was a uh, three receivers. If it was a three receiver set, let's just call it like a like a bunch wide set where it's just three receivers tight um, out wide to the numbers, and you know there'd be two defenders out there, or maybe even three defenders out there. So you, let's just say it's two, because um, that's it's easier. Uh, let's say it's two guys, and the ball is snapped. You know that he runs a little bubble screen. Okay, now the now the receiver has the ball, and you're figuring, okay, it's two blockers versus two um, defensive backs. So that's going to work, right? No, you have Miami Dolphins players running into the same guy, and there was plays where they ran into the same guy and still didn't block him. He got on the tackle. So some of the screens were less effective than they, I think they would be, especially when you have a guy like a Quincy Newman on the team. And, you know, just depending on if they're going to keep Jermaine Curse, but Jermaine Curse, if he plays like the 2017 Jermaine Curse, he's a little bit more motivated because they're, having a, you know, they're hopefully having a better year. Um, he's, a guy who can, he's a guy who can block as well, but. Uh, I don't know if that, that technically answered your question, but he does he does everything. He's going to make you make complex reads. Um, I think he's salivating a little bit with Donald because I I kind of had respect for Tan. Like I thought he was like maybe like a low teens or, or sorry high teens like low twenties type guy. Tannehill was really not that good for him. And it, like I said, if you're watching this stuff on Twitter, there's a lot of throws he missed. Um, both by reading defense incorrectly, coming off reads too quick, staring down receivers, not coming back to reads, uh, panicking in the pocket, and then just sometimes like there's there's plays where he'll make a you know a 55 yard um, perfect throw on a post, but then there's also times where on a on a 25 yard 30 post 30 yard post he's throwing over guys' heads. So Tannehill was extremely inconsistent with. Um, a lot of his play, and I think that hurts the offense. Where there's numerous times where, um, you know, they, they could have been a, a big play, uh, whether it be a touchdown or you know a 40, 50 yard gain that Tannehill just did not hit. That's something I heard. That was, it's a misconception, honestly, at least in my opinion. Uh, hearing the phrase that that gaze, you know, yeah, it's, it's gaze. It's not gaze, by the way. People were saying gaze. Um, it's gaze, and he. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I keep I keep I keep hearing people say gays. So I'm just like, uh. but um, I heard oh well he he schemes just to get one guy open. I don't agree with that. There's there's multiple plays I put up of him where there's two receivers wide open and Tanley either misses them or he throws to one. But yeah, okay, he throws to one. People are like, oh, he only gets one guy open. There's a lot of plays. There's two guys open. And if you're talking about oh, he only gets one guy open if it's a screen, well, yeah, that's obvious. Like it's or there are some there are some isolation routes where it's not it's, it's not uh, the the route isn't playing into a, a concept wherever it be. I can name more concepts if you want, but um, so there obviously is some isolation routes. Like there was an isolation route versus uh, Kyle Fuller, which is yeah, Kyle Fuller from the Bears. People you know who don't know who that is. Um, He's a guy who either plays off and he's going to jump any intermediate route. That's how he has a lot of interceptions with the Bears, especially get a good pass rush. So he figures he's going to get there quick or figures the pass rush is going to get there quick and he'll jump that route. Or he's a guy who he'll, he'll press you or he'll show press and he'll bail immediately 
or just get into a fast backpedal, and then he's looking to jump. And what they did versus him, I believe it was a third and five play versus the Bears. And by the way, they did win that game with Brock Osweiler, so you have to give you know Gase credit for that. Um, they isolated him versus, I believe it was, it was actually a running back. I think it was Drake. And because they, you know, Kendall or, or, or Kyle Fuller goes to the line, he's assuming they're not going to throw it to, to a freaking running back versus him on a third down. What do they do? They isolate him on a three-by-one set with the one running back just to his side, and they run a double move. So he turns, you know, the, the, the uh, running back releases, runs like a 10-yard curl, and then as he breaks back on the curl, he spins back around up the sideline, and he, he's running a double move uh, that turns into a vertical route, and he beats, you know, Fuller over his head. So that's, like, that's some of the smart things I've seen. So um, the gaze higher just in general, like, and – I know a lot of people are convincing them, themselves of it because they want to, and they don't really have a lot of substance to do it. But from what I watched from the offense, I think it's I, the offense in terms of just X's and O's, not getting into you know locker room stuff, him with Stephen Ross, et cetera. Pure X's and O's. He's a good offensive coach. Um, he's a much better coach than Bates, than Morton, than Gailey, than Morningwood, which I know people are, and probably you, Scott, are say, oh, it doesn't mean a lot. But um, he's definitely, I think he's an above average to, to pretty good offensive coach. So I was impressed watching what he did with Tannenhill, um, which a lot of people say, okay, well, you know, he, he didn't put, or where is Tannenhill's improvement? And he, it's not like he got him when he was a rookie or anything like that, so he couldn't necessarily develop him fully. Um, and he put him in positions to succeed. And we all think that Donald is going to be a top-flight guy, and obviously want him to develop him a little bit. But if he puts him in the similar positions that he put Tannehill last year, I think Donald will flourish, uh, especially Donald getting you know a year or two older, or not a, not two years older in one season. That wouldn't make sense. But one year older, more experienced, um, better offensive system where they're not just running stick routes, uh, you know, uh, third, and, third and ten because he's back so far behind the sticks. Okay, everybody just turn around at the first down marker. Like, <laughs> the Jets actually did that multiple times. Um, Gates is not going to do that. Now, am I saying that Gates has no problems? No. Um, and we can get into those if you, if you want. Um, but overall, just in terms of what I'm seeing from the X's and O's, uh, I was definitely more impressed than, than I thought I would be, which was pleasant because I'm not just, you know, convincing myself um, you know, the, the tape does not lie. So, While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Joe, let's talk a little bit about something Travis Wingfield brought up when we talked to him in the Meet the Candidate series about Adam Gase, Travis Wingfield, of course, the host of Locked On Dolphins and runs LockedOnDolphins.com, and he knows more about dolphins than anybody should know about pretty much anything on planet Earth. So when he said this, I thought it was interesting, and I went back and took a look, and I was curious if the film bore this out for you. He said that one thing that Gase is good at is scheming guys open and manufacturing touches and points for certain players. Is that something that you saw when you looked at the film? Uh, yeah, for sure. That's just that's that's you know that's easy. That's that's running um, you know manufacturing guys open. That's running off coverage, and then uh, it, it, that can be anything. That's okay. Let's say it's a, st- a stack where you know one receiver is in front of the other receiver, and the, and the other receiver behind him is either a little bit off offset of him or right directly behind him. With that point receiver, that front receiver, that's just running, okay, a vertical route to clear out the zone coverage or even the man cover that's on that backside receiver. The backside receiver runs a drag, and then you're getting that receiver opportunity to, to, to get yak, which is he did that he did that plenty with, with Drake, with uh, especially with Drake and Albert Wilson. So um, that's definitely something you're, you're going to see. You're going to see Quincy Nunois with a lot of yak uh, opportunities. Now, hopefully they set it up a little bit better than the Jets did this year because the Jets this year didn't really set it up well. And some players are successful, some are not. But uh, he's definitely a guy who's very creative, and he's not going to go back to the same play um, too many times, which I actually kind of hope that he would at times because there's certain concepts that I saw work that he didn't necessarily go back to as much as I thought he should have. Um, but yeah, you're going to see guys who can get that yak to manufacture, uh, touches and, you know, he's going to give them opportunities to get yards after the catch. And I think that's why the Jets are going to target whoever it may be in free agency. I think they're going to need another yak type guy because Quincy Nunez was good for, you know, five, 10 yards or even more, but, you know, generally he's not a guy who's going to break away. Um, he's, he's pretty fast, obviously, but he's not Wilson or Drake. I think they're going to need to find a free agent receiver who could do that because Albert Wilson uh, wasn't a guy who was highly coveted coming from the Chiefs, but they found a way to really make it work with him because of his ability to run after the catch um, and his just ability to find holes and see the hole, those holes and hit them if they are there. And the Jets, I don't, I don't really know if they have a guy like that on their roster. People say, oh, Trenton Cannon's fast. But <laughs> not, it's not the same thing. Uh, you have to be a good player and fast and shifty. Um, which Cannon is not at this point yet. Elijah McGuire, he's not a type of guy either. He's a he's a he's a pass catching running back who could do some of that stuff, but he's not on the level of like the the shiftiness and the speed of a guy like a Kenyon Drake. So I think they're going to target some. You're going to see some either pass catching running back coming here, um, and then either Trenton Cannon or Elijah McGuire could potentially be gone. I don't think they will be, um, but I think you're either going to see a pass catching running back who has some speed, or you're going to see a receiver too. Um, perhaps some speed and some uh, some yak abilities because you're going. It is a big part of his offense. Like I, like Travis said, like I said before, the, the screen game and getting guys open. Um, I don't think it's going to be as big of a part as it was with him and the Dolphins. And I would like to go back and watch what he did with the Bears or uh, what he did with the, with the Broncos. But I know with the Broncos, he did not run as many screens because Peyton Manning is a better quarterback. And when you can take, you know, ten yards right off the jump. Um, getting them open instead of, you know, uh, a short pass, you know, within five yards, um, you're going to take the deeper throws down the field. So, like I said, it's going to be a little bit less than Miami for sure, but you're still going to see 
that part of the offense because it's such a big part of the offense. He's not just going to completely eliminate it. So. Joe, let's talk a little bit about the running game before we get back to the rest of the offense. The Jets obviously had a lot of problems running the ball the last couple of years. There's a variety of reasons for that. We could talk about scheme. We could talk about the quality of the running backs. We could talk about the offensive line. But what did you see from Gase in a positive or negative light as far as running the ball? And do you think that it will translate in a good or bad way to the Jets? Yeah, this is the one thing. I actually, this is the thing that impressed me the, that at, at first was the running game. My only thing with the running game is from what I've heard from Dolphins people is they had uh, Eric Studesville who came from the Broncos and then he came over after that big year that C.J. Anderson had where C.J. Anderson had like a 1,000 yards and was that 2016? So he came over, or 2017, he came over the next year. So I think this, this was actually his first year with Miami. So a lot of that was um, Eric Studesville. So you can't really credit Gates with too much of it. Now, when to run certain plays and certain runs, and maybe, I don't really necessarily know who called the exact run or who, or, or, or if, if he, if Gates called the run and then, uh, Studesville just coached him how to run it. Like, I, I'm not necessarily sure, but I know that Eric Studesville was the, uh, running game coordinator. So however you want to take that, you can take it. Like I said, I'm not in the room. I'm not on the sidelines, but, uh, the, the run game is, is great. Uh, I, I really like the run game. I'm hoping they could they could scoop up Studsville from Miami on those contract on those situations, but that would be probably the best next hire the Jets can make. Um, positional coach or, or whatever you want to call him up. Actually, technically he's not a positional coach, but if they can get that coach from Miami, I would be pretty happy. Um, he he ran everything, uh, mostly inside zone. Uh, you saw a lot of inside zone from 11 personnel. 11 personnel is by far uh, Gase's you know highest used personnel, which is one tight end. Um, one running back from gun that's that's what he does the most but we saw everything from runs from 11 12 13 22 21 we we saw every run from every single different formation whether it be you know inside zone which is definitely the primary i would say inside zone was probably which which is what the jets ran with more and i would say they ran that probably like 60 to 70 percent of the time and then they also had just a lot of different concepts, whether it be like misdirections, fake pitches into sweeps, you know, the opposite way, like I talked about before, and that one fake pitch into a sweep then turned into an end around, which turned into a throw. So that's the good thing with the run game. We saw some read option. People aren't going to love stand on running the read option because you don't want to see it too, too much. But if you could just throw in like two, three read option plays a game just to have that backside defensive end or outside linebacker, or if you want to call them an email, uh, then you can do that too, which is just end man on a scrimmage. Um, if you could have him just hesitate for a second, that's great. Uh, and that's why teams run inside zone, uh, read because you you want that backside end or linebacker to, to hesitate. So even if you can do it with Darnold a couple times a game, I think that's, that's effective. Um, they would mix zones and they would run an outside zone, an inside zone, and then they would run a double trap block, uh, whams, duo run, uh, tight zone, mid zone, or mid zone. Um, it's just, <laughs> uh, runs to the weak side, to the strong side, different splits, different formations. Uh, they incorporated some wildcat reverses, some power. Uh, they did everything. It, 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 now with that, like I said, it was mostly inside zone, but they had so many wrinkles that you had, you had so many things to prepare for. And it's not just, okay, well, inside zone and zone plays you, you really want to run them you know people say you want to run them a lot because it takes a lot of chemistry to know where certain offensive linemen are going to be and how they're going to block certain guys in certain positions um and you don't want to take away from that too much 
but with the Dolphins, I didn't feel like it took away from from uh, you know from the inside zone because they ran inside zone very effectively, and they also ran everything else effectively. Like you'd see like a double trap um, block run, and I'm like, wow, like they actually ran that really really well um, for a team who doesn't run that primarily. So it was a really really impressive run game. If they can pair that up with Donald and maybe get him like two yards on first down. Uh, that would be a big upgrade. So um, I'm hoping they can grab Studesville because that was probably the first thing I noticed where I wrote down, like, damn, the run game is good. That's not not my exact notes, as you saw, Scott. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> run game, damn, this is good. You've seen my notes before. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was definitely impressed with it for sure. Deciphering Joe's notes is one hell of a trick. I don't recommend it without about six cups of coffee beforehand because it's like reading some physicist's notes and trying to decipher them. The shorthand is just a whole other language, but that's what you're here for, Joe, is to break down what the meaning behind those bizarre notes is. And so one of the things that you did mention to me in the notes is that Gase in his offense likes to have backs out in the open in pass-catching situations. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. Do you think Elijah McGuire might be able to do something in Gase's offense that would help elevate his game a little bit? And, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, maybe there's a guy on the open market that the Jets could get that might fit the bill a little bit? Bevion Well? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, Bell would be a, a great fit in this offense. And like you have said, like everybody's going to say, he's a great fit in any offense. But I think this would really take advantage of his pass-catching ability and his versatility where he could literally run any single type of run. Um, you can just put him out as a wide receiver. Um, and if you're just putting him out as a wide receiver, just, just to throw the coverage off, just because you can't you can't look at Le'Veon Bell outside um, and be like, oh, you know, we're going to ignore him, where, yeah, Elijah McGuire is effective as a pass catcher, but he's no Le'Veon Bell in terms of route running, where I said it to you, um, I believe it was you, I think that if you were to stack up Le'Veon Bell's route running versus any of the Jets' or wide receivers right now, he's a better route runner. Mm-hmm. So now is he a better receiver than them? No. But route runner, yeah, I would say yes. Um, so obviously he, he would be very effective in, in this. And um, like, like we talked about before, now, do the Jets bring in a pass-catching back or a yak um, wide receiver, one with speed? Because, like I said, Quentin Newell can do that, but he's not Albert Wilson fast. He's not Kenyon Drake fast. And, yeah, you'll see you'll see um, running backs split out wide. Uh, not just It's not just a swing route or a flat route or a screen from the backfield. He'll split them out. Um, in a receiver set and then manufacture those touches from them there where the, the, we hear the running game is a extension or the, sorry, the passing are running, or the pass, the pass game is a extension of the running game. A lot of people say that and it's like quite literal with them where you're literally just passing it to the running back who's, who's running, uh, even though he's split out wide where they'll do like, like I said, a tunnel screen, smoke screen, bubble screen, whatever it may be. Um, now, do I think Jeff? I, I don't know if Trent Cannon is the best for that because Trent Cannon is a guy who can run straight, uh, in a, in a, you know, fastly, uh, run like a four, three, something, 40 or whatever it was. But you need to be shifty too. You have to be able to pick holes. You have to be able to know leverages. You have to be able to read defenders, you know, helmets and see where they are, uh, corresponding to, to the block, to what angle to either set up. Uh, to to then hit a different hole, to alter your strides. It's, it's, there's a bunch of things. You, you have to be able to cut. Uh, that's why a lot of people said last year. I know we've talked about this before. People said, "Oh well, Robbie Anderson's a guy who can get yak. I'll use him more. He he's a guy who can get yak if he's running next to a, or, or or in front of a guy 
for 90 yards because he's blazing fast. We talk about him cutting fastly and picking holes. He's not that guy. That's why last year when I saw Robbie Anderson on end arounds and things like this, I was like, what is going on? I don't know if this guy has broken a tackle in his entire life. So it's, um, he's, you know, he's not a fit in that type of um, system in terms of, like, get actually receiving the pass and even being the, the receiver to block um, on that side. Uh, Trent Can's not really a, a too big of a fit, but I think Quincy Newmar is an uptick. Um, they have to hope he's healthy. Elijah McGuire is a guy who can do it. I think you're going to see him uh, back next year. I think you're going to see him in a role. Now, is that the role of a Drake or a Wilson? Uh, I don't think so because he's not that fast, and I think uh, Gase likes to use those those fast guys, so I think you're going to see a role, just not the, the role of the pass-catching back. Um, and even not, you, you don't need to necessarily be fast. You can alter it a little bit where Le'Veon Bell can get just as many yards as the fast guy for the most part, unless it's just a straight sprint because Le'Veon Bell doesn't have the, the best top end speed. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so a lot of where I can do it, I just don't think he's going to be the primary. I don't think he's the best option to do it. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see because, uh, he's definitely give receivers, you know, options. And it's not, and it's not just receivers and running backs, you know, uh, chances to, to get that yak, but it's not just that. Like, that's not the offense. He runs plenty of other concepts. I mentioned a few of them before. Uh, there's no point in even me mentioning them again, but he's going to run, uh, plenty of different things. It's not just this, it's not just a screen game. So it's, it's really going to be interesting to see what he does with what the Jets have on their roster, how he alters it, um, how he attacks uh, defenses because like I said before, I don't, I don't, he, did he attack the same defense the same way that he did with Tannenhill with, or Matt Moore or Osweiler as he did, you know, Peyton Manning or even Jay Cutler with Chicago or Chicago? No, probably not. Um, and I definitely didn't see it in these streams, like I said, with those guys, with the Bears and with Denver. So it's going to be interesting to see what he thinks of Donald. And, uh, Donald at this point in his career, even just over this season, what I saw from the last, you know, couple of weeks from him, uh, he's already a better quarterback going, going into next year than Tannehill is, which again, isn't saying much. Um, but this offense is going to be open. There's a lot of different things. He doesn't just rely on one or two things. Um, so. It's definitely a versatile thing that we'll be looking at. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. One last thing I want to ask you about, Joe, the offensive line. It's been a consistent problem for the Jets the last couple of years. What did you see from Gase and his staff's use of the offensive line? And do you think there are players on the roster right now that would either benefit or be hurt from the way that Gase operates his system? That's a hard question just because of all the schemes I talked about now, if we can talk about if it was just power, okay, maybe if they sign James Carpenter or, you know, or, or bring back long, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be good. Okay. Well, if it's more outside zone or inside zone, then a guy like shell um, would be better, but they use their guys in so many different ways that they have to be all around type players. Um, they, they run out on screens. They run, like I said, inside zone, outside zone, trap runs, power runs. Um, you know, tight runs. Uh, it's they they run everything, so it's it, 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 it's almost hard to answer. But with the inside zone um, heavy, who does that benefit? Maybe a little bit of shell, maybe a little bit of 
the guys interiorly, uh, whether it be Carpenter, if he comes back, or Long, if you don't have to move as much. But with guys who are bad, they're going to be bad in pretty much anything. So uh, were they a little I, – I, I don't even know if they were better at inside zone with Morton or if they were better with outside zone um, with, uh, with uh, Bates. You know, so they're, they're bad either way, to, to be honest. I don't know if that's like necessarily answering the question of what people want. Um, but you need better offensive linemen regardless. There's only me and, me and Joe Caparoso, obviously – uh, the, the head guy at Toronto Jets went over the Jets offensive line and things like that and where I'd rank, um, you know, how they need to replace their players. And I said, and I said this before on your podcast, I think that in a couple of years, hopefully if the Jets do it right, maybe the only guy on the offensive line still standing is Shell. And that's still a big question mark because I personally, I believe that Shell is a below average right tackle because, yeah, he's decent as a pass blocker, but you talk about the run game, he's, he's terrible. He's absolutely terrible in the run game, minus getting out to the second level and getting in front of some guys. You're talking about you know kicking somebody out or sealing somebody or a turnout block or a reach block. He's just not that good. Um, so they're going to be bad in anything they do, and they need to replace it. It's not like, okay, well, now that Gates is coming here, maybe even you know Eric Studzville is coming here, the offensive line will be fixed because, like I said, they can't do much of anything. He is the co-host of TOJ Film Room with former 11-year NFL veteran Marcus Coleman. And if you want to hear more great insight on the Gase offense and above hearing it, actually watch some breakdowns of the Gase offense at TOJ Film Room. You're going to get some of that coming up on the show as the weeks and months progress. Joe has himself with his nose to the grindstone right now, looking at the Gates offense, the Greg Williams defense, players on the Jets, draft prospects, free agent prospects, so many things that he's going through right now. So, Joe, I know you're a busy guy. I'm going to let you get back to your tape dungeon. Before we do, any other last points that we missed on the Gates offense that you want to throw out there? I guess like little things uh, in terms of some of the negatives, uh, just because we didn't go over too, too many negatives. I think like two of the major things that he struggled with that we talked about is I don't think he used guys like Drake enough. Um, and he would use kind of, he used Gore a little bit too much, at least for my liking. So I think there's some guys that he, uh, or there's some kind of storylines that he'd like to use the veteran guys are kind of like Bulls. They said about Bulls too, but I don't, I didn't really feel that with Bulls. Um, but with Gates, I feel like that was actually something that he, he did. Um, so I like to see more of, of Drake and less of Gore. Um, there's also some things in terms of like third down and his aggressiveness that I didn't love. Uh, like there's a third and one on one play and he runs a naked bootleg uh, to into a sale concept with the backside defender, which they eventually rolled into, um, you know, unblocked. And that was with, I think it's actually Jordan Jenkins that game and Jordan, Jordan Jenkins got that sack uh, fumble on, on a ten hill in the second game. Sometimes I think he's a little bit too fancy on third down. That's something I definitely noticed. I like to see him just get the freaking yard. Um, but there's, like I said, sometimes a little bit too fancy. Uh, I like to see him use some, his personnel a little bit differently. Um, other than that, though, with his, with his offense, I would say the only other negative is him going back to certain concepts. Like I said, there's certain concepts I really saw. Uh, one was like a usually sale concepts were along the sideline three-level read, but he kind of had a little different wrinkle on it where he'd run like a whip route uh, deep over from the opposite side of the field and then like a, a kind of like almost like a flag route from the slot receiver on the sale side. Uh, and he did that multiple times. He did that like one or two times. He didn't really go back to it, and every time he did it, it worked. So I think um, he needs to be 
he almost caused, like tries to outsmart himself where he tries to do too much on third down or go to too many concepts um, when a certain concept is working. Because when a certain concept is working, you know, do it until they until they beat it. And then when they beat it, you find a new wrinkle, and then you keep doing it. And then if they beat that, then you throw some new wrinkles, and you go back to it in, in a little while. Um, like I said before, a lot of 11 personnel, uh, one running back, one tight end, a lot of gun sets, a lot of three-by-one gun sets. So we're going to have one receiver isolated and then three guys on the same side of the field. Uh, a lot of stacks, a lot of bunches. Um, which is basically receivers being close together in really simple form. A lot of rub routes. Um, the, the offense is really, really versatile. Uh, we need to talk about the rub routes and the clear outs, like a lot of what the Patriots do, getting guys open um, by literally having corners and receivers run into corners. Um, lots of moving pieces to, to pre-snap to help ID the defenses, you know, showing man, uh, showing zone. Um, so there's there's a lot of things that he that he did. Um, that I kind of have here. Not a lot of fullback. There's not a lot of eye formation. You see some eye formation, but not a lot of fullback. So I don't think the Jets are going to have to key in on bringing a fullback. They might just use a tight end or maybe even a running a bigger running back, depending um, on how their, their roster shakes up. But all the stuff we missed, and I don't think there's really much of it. Uh, I'll be doing a two, three hour show on, on, the, uh, on, on Twitter, or not Twitter, on YouTube. And I'll be posting the rest of the stuff on Twitter. So, like I said, you can always follow me there. Uh, obviously, people who've been listening to this for a while know uh, JORB31 YouTube, turn on the Jets, and you'll find us there. But uh, like you said, Scott, with I'm going to have this coming up, uh, Le'Veon Bell coming up. I just did all, I just did Bosa, uh, Quinn Williams. I just did Josh Allen. I just did uh, Brian Burns. I didn't post that stuff yet, but it's all ready to be posted. So in the next coming months, you're going to see, reviews of the coaches you're going to see free agency reviews you're going to see a levy on dollar review you'll see reviews of whoever the jets do sign for agency and you're probably going to see like 20 reviews of uh draft prospects and you know it gets really into detail um so if people want to learn about players instead of just hearing some whoever it may be uh i have you know whatever uh you know whoever maybe say okay well this guy is good this guy has good technique you know, I'll show you what the good technique is instead of just saying it so so broadly. So you're not really learning anything. Um, so I hope people uh, follow me there and then, uh, you know, tag along and uh, we can talk and look at some football films. So. Go subscribe right now to Turn On The Jets TV. Follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31. Trust me, you'll be a much better football fan and much more informed. Plus, you'll get plenty of entertainment from Joe and former 11-year NFL veteran Marcus Coleman, hero of the Monday Night Miracle. Go ahead right now. Turn on the Jets TV on YouTube. Joe, thanks again for coming on, and thank you for listening. But don't forget, there's plenty more where this came from. So for all the latest and greatest in Jets news, information, and podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.